0: Well, good morning, here we are. That's gonna be annoying, isn't it? Not for us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so, um, I invite you to just drop into your hearts right now. Let's uh, move into our 30 seconds of silence. And if you're available to a thought of appreciation or gratitude for something, that uh, is alive in your life, presently or in the past. But Allow that thought to become a feeling and to expand that heart center. As we relax into the heart, we begin to connect to one another. Connecting to one another, we connect to infinite source. And so as we establish this coherent field of connection, infinite possibility, let's drop into our silence. Spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. And so I invite you to know with me in this moment, allowing my words to be your words. One power, one present. One life. That life is perfect. That life is God. That life is my life in this moment and in all moments. And as I increase in my capacity and awareness and ability to stand in that beautiful, unbroken relationship, I know that, uh, that this loving intelligence is guiding and directing, resources and informing, waited with bated breath for my next thought. And so, as Dr. Ernest Holmes said, one day our conversation will be in heaven. And so it is my call to action in this moment to allow my inner conversation to be in heaven and to see the joy and the beauty, the possibility, the infinite connection. And so in great gratitude and appreciation to speak these words, to be reminded of the possibility and to live more and more fulfilling my soul's blueprint and supporting everyone upon this planet empowering each person to make a positive difference in the world as we transform our lives for this I give thanks invite you to stay with me and so it is so um, we've had a really full wonderful weekend for me it's been um, extraordinarily um, beneficial and powerful and, and transformative and we have our uh, results of our, our, the, some of the work we did. So we had 47 people who showed up Friday evening and just about the same amount on Saturday. And we did some work. We looked at our history. We did our genogram, which is the, uh, uh, documented on the pages over to your left. And also our, our qualities of being, we began to start creating our own um, cue card. And so uh, the, 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 the fellow that has helped create much of this information in the program that we're... Enrolled in, and so many of you had an opportunity to experience that this weekend is uh, with us today to speak, and so I feel very blessed and, and honored because it's it's quite a it's a um, it's a journey to shift a culture, and and the work that we are about doing, the practices that we are engaging in, enrolling in the spirit groups and the and the Q process, are all part of on ramping our spiritual bandwidth and our emotional bandwidth to midwife that which is seeking to be given birth here, and to hospice that which no longer serves us. So um, I'm going to now uh, uh, hand this microphone off to my, my, uh, my mentor and teacher and, and, and beautiful friend, uh, Reverend Dr. Gary Simmons.
1: So I need to switch the... Uh, there it's coming, I guess. There it is so i 'm going to get to uh, how to not be triggered when you 're judged. Is that uh, helpful at all to anybody? Anybody get defensive when you 're judged? Raise your hand it's just a fur ball. cough it up that 's good. OK but'm before I get to that, I want to just um, also elaborate a little bit on what uh, Reverend Patrick has shared about our weekend. So you are in a process of a three year program of evolving from a minister centric ministry practice to a mission centric ministry practice. And it's important for us to know that in these times, in this economy, and what's going on in the world, our current ministry practice, which is over 400 years old, is unsustainable. Love offerings and tithes are no longer able to meet the expenses of ministries, and so we have to develop a different ministry practice if we're gonna be sustainable in in these chaotic times. And so a mission-centric ministry practice is based upon the community coming together to fulfill its purpose. And your purpose is transforming lives and inspiring people to make a positive difference in their world. And when we, when we migrate from a, um, a ministry practice that's based upon the comings and goings of ministers and the impact that that has on spiritual communities over time, one of the things that we, uh, the haws of last uh, yesterday, was that when we realized that the unintended consequences of our current ministry practices Produces a significant amount of discomfort and drama, and um, hurt, and uh, and and all the kinds of things that we experience in all of our relationships. When ministry becomes a mirror unto our own family of origin issues, it ceases to become a transformative uh, unfolding of the potential of the community to develop something that is long term and sustainable. So it's nece- it, it is necessary for us to consider evolving to a ministry practice that is built around and funded by the experience of people's lives being transformed and giving into that intent. Because when we're able to be a source of transformation and bringing people into a greater expression of who and what they've come here to be, when they feel less triggered by what's happening in their life, when they feel more empowered about their capacity to make a difference in the world, when more and more people feel that, the world begins to shift. And when a community begins to feel that together, the spiritual community begins to create a level of coherence that begins to form a cultural tipping point that, me, me, that begins to move it into a more dynamic expression. And when you come together around the purpose of transforming lives as opposed to coming together around the purpose of sort of feeling better about yourself, then, then we begin to feel a greater sense of empowerment because when we're just kind of interested in feeling better, you know, we don't have the kind of control that we have, the autonomy that we need to be able to transcend and, and really um, not only own our life, but be able to use what we have as, as a way of creating greater abundance and purpose. So, so with that said, I'm just wanting you to uh, take time to explore what was created yesterday. These are all data points, and I'll be returning a movie, a video, where I'll be uh, explaining the entire process and all the details to the entire spiritual community, sharing things like all the work that you see up there, but identifying the steps that we took and, and a, more, a greater understanding of what took place. But you need to know that what took place this weekend has begun a shift and how many of you were present during uh, that time? Okay, uh, many, many people in this room. Talk to those people. Ask them questions about what happened. And if you wanna to, want to know what we talked about, there it is. But we told the story in a way that everybody felt that it was they could, they could acknowledge and value everyone's perspective, which is uh, quite the feat when it comes to all the different perspectives that exist in any spiritual community. So with that said, I'm wanting to piggyback on the, on the momentum that's created, the Q process happening, the spirit groups are on, uh, being launched, you're going to be working with the Eye of the Storm material. Uh, I'm the author of that, right? Okay, I am. So I'm going to be uh, sharing, I'm going to speak to some of the aspects of the Eye of the Storm today because I think everybody, everybody should be in the Q process, in the Eye of the Storm because it is what plants the seeds of transformation. You know, 20, 30 years ago, I was challenged by a, a pair of uh, Hindu astrologers to prove that there was nothing and no one against me. And at that time, I had everybody in my life against me. But over the years, I, I, have, I have been able to shift to a place where there's, it's always, always for me. And the people who are able to come to that uh, awakening are really empowered to really uh, make, make their life Uh, an expression of the divine. and So I invite you to consider that. I want to give you a taste of the transformative power of those those practices. So my talk title is all about uh, not being triggered, but I'm going to tell you how not to be triggered when someone judges you. I'm going to tell you how to not be triggered when someone judges you so you can practice it. But just by telling you how to uh, not be triggered, doesn't give you the ability to really uh, practice not being triggered because we need to know why we should not be triggered when someone judges us. And that if we are triggered, how that moves us into our disconnect. Charles Eisenstein, who is the author of A Beautiful World Our Heart Knows Is Possible, says, right now we're living in the story of separation. And and, and the big uh, a kind of emergence that is seeking to be brought forth in our world is a shift to interbeing, our interconnection, our interdependency, a shift to a context of wholeness and oneness as as our driver for, uh, for greater expression and, and well-being, instead of trying to manage the dynamics of living in separation. But when we live in the, in the state of separation, there are three dynamics that we become uh, compelled to engage. In other words, we, we engage in habits of being that take us away from our effort to really transform our lives. The three habits of being that are a consequence of the story of separation are the habits of struggle, the habits of not enough, and the habits of judgment. And how many of us are stuck in those habits? And how many of us can see that that might be what is uh, a challenge to the world right now because of all that... Uh, incongruence with respect to those habits of being and who we truly are as spiritual beings, um, we have to step out of that way of being if we're to transform this world, and especially our own lives. And so today, I want us, I want us to uh, break the habit of being defensive when we're judged. And so that's, that's what we're gonna do. And, and before you're know, gonna know how to do that, you have to know why. And also, when Jesus says, you know, judge not, You know, okay, how do you do that? Well, in order to really be able to understand how to implement a practice that is all about not judging and not being reacting when someone judges you, we have to know the why before the how becomes easy and before the how can become a spiritual practice. And, um, and I think that what you're moving towards as a way of coming together as a community, community in the context of, of learning the science and the principles and the research and all the things that constitute the why we should be doing this practice. And, and then having another opportunity to experience the how, the what that we need to be practicing that actually moves the needle with respect to our transformational journey. So, so here's the why. First of all, I'm gonna go with a how. Here's how not to be triggered when you're judged. When someone judges you, here's what you say. Oops, I forgot, sorry. Let Let me, I digress. Let me just say that I popped this slide in because I wanted to explain when we're caught up in habits that there is a circuitry in our consciousness that perpetuates a dynamic that we can call our self system. Our small s, self, system. And, and so as, we, as this illustration shows, our habits of being create our habits of doing, which create our habits of having, which when we have something, it impacts us. We have, we have an emotional impact, so our habits of having impact our habits of how we feel about things. And how we feel about things are always connected to our habits of how we believe what we believe about ourselves, And those habits of what we believe about ourselves, condition how we sense and how we perceive and the stories that we make up about what's going on. And so we live in this circuitry of our self-system unconsciously for the most part. And then when we try to bring an intentional effort to transform ourself, the 5% of us that's awake is trying to work against the 95% of us that's in an unconscious habit of being in an unconscious habit of doing, in an unconscious habit of having, and so on and so forth. And so for us to break that cycle, we have to bring an effort and intention that is about exiting this circuitry in order to create different habits of being and different habits of doing and so on and so forth. So so it's important that we understand that in order for us to transform our life, we have to transcend this circuitry because it's a body-mind dynamic that keeps us locked into our way of being with what we're having. And if our way of being with what we're having is making what we're having against us, then we're compounding our disconnect. We're compounding our distance away from actualizing our capacity to awaken and grow up and clean up and show up and also sign up after church. <laughs> so, when someone judges you, here's what, here's how to not be triggered. Ready for it? Here goes. Just say tell me more. All right, but very plain, that's the teaching. If you want to know how not to be triggered, just say tell me more. Now, I can hear some of you thinking, now, what's up with that? I mean, have, can you imagine when someone judges you and you say, tell me more, what might happen? I mean, that's sort of like asking for more, uh, <laughs> you know, for us to be, get beat up more sometimes because judgment is, doesn't feel pleasant. I mean, why would we ask for more? And so that's the, that's the question, why? Why does this as the how to not be triggered work? And why should we practice when someone judges us to say, tell me more about that? And begin to feel a shift when you're able to kind of show up in that intent. When normally you're triggered because someone's judgment is touching your own sense of not enough or inadequacy or unworthiness or whatever. But instead, say more about that, what means that there's no button being pushed right now, right? It, it, but you have to be able to get there first. So right now, if I just say, go ahead and say, tell me more, you're not gonna kind of uh, welcome that without understanding why. Okay, so understanding the why is now going to make tell me more very easy. You ready for it? Yeah. Okay, all right, that's, okay. So, when someone judges you, the reason why uh, you should say, Tell me more, is because it is not about you. There is no judgment that is about you. None. I'll prove it. Go ahead, judgment. You can't. You have to go in a disconnect to judge me. You have to go in your own sense of needing something that you can't really invite people to kind of support you. And you instead, judgment becomes a way of, of getting people's attention because it's linked to something that's missing or, or otherwise a discomfort inside of us that we think that we're, 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 we're chasing after what we feel that we need or what we want or poking, f- poking at an injustice. But the real what's really happening is that there's something else happening. And so if we understand that no judgment is about me, really, what is a judgment about, really? Okay, so for instance, I, my former wife, um, Nan, who passed away uh, 16 years ago, would often say to me, Gary, you never take me out to dinner. Now, I was director of peacemaking services for the unity movement at the time, And every time she would say that, because I travel a lot, I would become defensive. i said, what do you mean I never take you out to dinner? Don't you remember our last argument? Chinese, Mexican, Chinese, Mexican, Chinese, Mexican. I have videotapes of us being out to dinner, eyewitnesses that will testify that we do go to dinner. So you're saying that I never take you out to dinner. But you see, when Nan says to me, Gary, you never take me out to dinner. What is it really about? Who knows what it's about? (laughs) Until you say, tell me more. Here. Okay, I'll I'll get this up in a minute, but the point is is that you don't know what the judgment is about. If it's not about you, and you make it about you when you react, can you see how when I react to her judgment that I never take her out to dinner, that now now I am making this judgment about me? And, And you're trying to tell me it's not about me, it's about whatever you've just mentioned, but who really knows unless I'm inviting more information because you see when someone says you never take me out to dinner or I had the experience of having my music director walk into my office after church one Sunday and say to me Gary you're the sorriest excuse for a unit minister I've ever seen in my whole life and he was old <laughs> and in that moment you gotta know I was triggered it was, it was uh, a ministry uh, that I was pioneering. I had left a church that I was fired from, and I was all insecure, and here comes this guy. He's a big man, and of course I'm a fortically black belt, but it doesn't play well to have the minister beat the shit out of their music director. <laughs> but the point is, is that here I am in the midst of this accusation And what am I supposed to do with, I'm the worst minister? And so in that moment, I didn't know what to do, my brain froze and the words that came out of my mouth, I cannot believe, it was, tell me more. And then it came. It just came. You know, every time we, we try to have a special effort to include people in the music by, by having someone sing, you're always complaining. You're always saying they're not professional. They're not good enough. And, and, and yeah, that was true. And so I had to say, tell me more. Con- you have to continue. And, you know, the point is is that there's all kinds of ways in which people are kind of trying to um, trying to contain their, their, their deeper desire, but they don't know how to kind of just say it. You know, and I had, the, it's interesting that when you have a strong judgment about someone, I had the very judgment about him. I thought he was the sorriest music director I've ever seen in my whole life. And this happens all the time when I work with church communities, one side judges, and the identical judgment is directed at the other people. And that's so interesting. So here I was in this moment, and I I, I had all the evidence I needed. He would have somebody come up to sing. It didn't matter if they could sing or not. It was terrible. I mean, I consider myself a decent speaker, but you cannot recover from bad music. (laughs) You know, he purchased this keyboard. You know, back in the day, 20, 30 years ago, there's these keyboards. You could press a button and record, and he would be at home recording the hymns, and then we set back up at church on Sunday and he'd be behind the thing and, and then the music would play and here we are singing the hymns but, but sometimes the music was off or we were off and then it was, it was awful. And so after I got through enrolling you in what, how difficult this moment is for me, you would look at and you'd see that guy and you'd say, there's that music director that Dr. Gary has to deal with. And see, I've enrolled you, now now you're on my side. But you see, when I said, tell me more, and I had to go through the process of really going through all those layers of of how he was feeling, and it it wasn't pretty. He finally got to, and all I really wanted to be was your best friend. There it is. That's what it was all about. So him coming in saying I'm the sorriest excuse was really all about an unmet need. Can you see that? What if every judgment has that gift? Can you not see how we miss an opportunity to transform someone's life, including our own, just in the experience of being able to say, say more about that and when we are able to stay connected instead of separating through defensiveness when we're able to invite the person to to reveal to us what might be underlying that judgment or criticism we 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 will arrive because when Nan would used to say to me, Gary, you never take me out to dinner, I would have to say, we'll say more about that. And she would, she would express how challenging it was because things would always break down and when she would be by herself, she would just lock up and I'd have to say, oh, that must have been awful for you. And then she would continue because I would say, well, what else? And, and then finally, finally she got to her, I just miss being with you. And can we not see that every judgment has that gift? And if we don't, if we don't be in a place of greater um, kind of ownership of, of who we are and what we're about, and, and if we don't understand that our habit of being requires of us to become defensive because our impulse is, is to avoid feeling our own sense of inadequacy, which when we're judging somebody, it's about what's missing for us not what's going on for the other person. So here's both sides of a judgment. When we're being judged, it's not about us. But when we're judging, it is. It's about what's missing. And that's what judgment is always, always about, what's missing. And if we don't have the intent and the skillfulness and the desire to find the place where there's that gift, we'll stay locked into the unintended consequences of that very human behavior that is simply designed to save us from feeling our own sense of not enough or inadequacy. And we're bigger than that now. We have to be bigger than that now. And so I invite you from this day forward, whenever someone judges you, or whenever you feel like you wanna make somebody the matter with you, that you recognize what's really going on. That, that, That we're unable to speak to a deeper need a desire, a deeper hunger. And if we come first with that, you know, you would think that my former wife Nan would just go there because of having lived with me for so long that my stuff, my, my advanced way of being would rub off on her. <laughs> that is so arrogant of me to even conjure up that thought. But the point is, is that no one, it doesn't matter who they are, from time to time, will be triggered. But if we're not in the practice of recognizing that that is the invitation to do the deeper work now, and really understand that what a judgment is really about, is about what the relationship needs, or about what the other person needs, or it could be about what I said or what I did that has triggered somebody, but that's not about me, that's about my behavior. And I have to know the difference between that because my identity is often tied to my behavior. And I have to recognize that when I be who I am not, someone's gotta call me on that. I have to have that mirrored back to me if I'm gonna be in ownership of my life and if I'm gonna be empowered to make a difference. You see. okay, what else do we have? So when someone judges you, bless you. What do you say? Excellent. So now you, little, now you know how to not be triggered when someone judges you, but you need to practice saying, tell me more. Now, there are certain circumstances where you don't do this. <laughs> you don't do this in the presence of verbal or emotional or physical abuse. That's not where you practice. You practice on the paper cuts. You practice on the easy stuff. You know, you want to judge someone for not picking up the socks? Then recognize that, oh, I have a need for these socks to be picked up. And just go ahead and express that need. If someone judges you for whatever, just say, say more about that. Be interested. Stay connected. And then when it comes down to that final gift, like, all I want is to be your best friend then your response just needs to be yes or no. Because a person can live with the no equally with the yes if they understand that you have heard them and that you're connected with them and that you care about them and that you respect them as a fellow participant and partner in this process. And that's the end of the show. God bless you. Sign up for the queue and for spirit groups.